Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the episode of Who's Your Daddy? Thank you guys for coming back and listening. Super stoked for today's episode. Today, we're interviewing Justin Nanfeld. Justin's a CMO of Anaheim Studios, and he also was on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. Something super crazy. I think it's really cool to meet these new people, and that's something I've really enjoyed about this podcast. Justin and I hadn't met before prior to this interview, so it was really cool getting to know him, sitting down, and just talking. Justin's one of those guys who has his day job, but then also grinds on like four or five other things at night. One of the things I really like like is he has a company called tables and what they do is they create super dope cassette style tables that he's done for celebrities and people all over the entertainment industry really dope story i think the one thing i really enjoyed about this is we really get deep on some topics that really gave me some perspective and just a way to look at things and how to communicate with those friends or family members who may be going through a tough time during their fatherhood or parenting journey so i hope you guys enjoy if you do like this please screenshot share with friends also if you can give us a rating or a five-star review we'd really appreciate it all right thanks guys all right man thank you for being on the pod yeah Yeah. thanks for having me i'm excited for sure so want to get into it man since like i think the best thing about what we're doing here is getting to know new people and Mm -hmm. sharing fatherhood journeys but i think it all really starts with kind of childhood and like how we all grew up so where's uh tell me a little bit about your childhood like where you're from and all that good stuff so uh i am the second of four uh, children. I have an older brother uh, who's two years older than me, a younger brother who's four years younger, and then a younger sister who's six years younger. So, okay. um, you know, definitely middle child. Uh, I was probably the loudest one of the four of us, kind of middle child syndrome. But um, I grew up super tight with my family. Um, it was something that my parents really invested in us is just the value of family and being there for each other. Um, my dad's a pastor, so um, grew up in the church, and it's something too where. Um, with that, we moved around. Uh, average tenure of a pastor is about six to eight years. So I uh, was born in Chicago when I was four. We moved to Maine when I was a freshman in high school, moved to Massachusetts. Uh, and then my parents moved to Wisconsin when I was in college. So um, with that, it's basically wherever we went to high school is where that sibling says they're from. Okay. So my <laughs> older brother's from Maine. I'm yeah. from Massachusetts. My little brother and sister are from Wisconsin. Nice, man. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's something where... Uh, with that, you know, we've kind of bounced around and we actually are pretty, uh, in different parts of the country. Like my older brother and younger brother are both up in Seattle. My little sister is out in Virginia and my parents are in Pennsylvania now. So, um, while we are all across the country, I mean, we talk to each other all the time. Uh, we have a group text that goes on. I mean, we just grew up really close. And, um, I think a lot of that comes back to when we were younger, um, you know, especially like living in Maine, uh, you know we lived kind of in the backwoods so you kind of create your own adventures and we had you know an entire wonderland of forest behind us so we used to grow up riding bikes and running around playing army in the forest with our nerf guns and you know uh and yeah i mean it's something where i just really enjoyed being in that environment and kind of creating our own adventures together that's great man because like i know so much like as an only child when I grew up yeah. I had to like envision my adventures like you know what I mean like I didn't have like the the brother to like play with or, yeah like, yeah thankfully my parents were always kind of cool and like we like I enjoyed being around them but uh-huh. like I never got that that family vibe you yeah. know what I mean yeah. which I think is really special um for a young person so like when when you look back at your childhood like what mm-hmm. what do you feel like your parents were like like what kind of parents were they to you um they were very invested. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom, uh, we were fortunate enough for her to be able to stay home with us. Uh, and it's something where my dad was very intentional about making sure that he was around. So, um, you know, we do family vacations together. We always drove to them, so lots of time in the car. Um, but a lot of fights. Or <laughs> I, well, it's interesting because my, my, my siblings and I actually didn't fight a lot growing up. I'm not, I mean, like, of course, your siblings, you fight. But it's something like I remember when I was in school, someone was talking about how their older brother beat them up. And I was just like, wait, they do that? And it was just this weird thing where, I mean, I, I think I'm a bit of an anomaly in that because a lot okay. of people talk about like, yeah. oh, then my older brother punched me in the face. And I'm just like, I have like a very vivid memory one time of, uh, it was with my my little brother and my older brother, actually four, all four of us were there. And uh, Zach, I'm sorry for telling this story, but uh, so, and it was something where he had like pushed our little sister and my older brother and I both jumped in and were like, you don't do that. Like, okay. That's just like not a thing. And yeah. like, it was something where we all kind of, you know, we, uh, and again, it wasn't even anything big. We, like, they, they were probably like six, you know, but it was something where, you know, we all grew up with this, like you watch each other's back and 
you know, it's, the, and I think a lot of that came down to the way that we were brought up. I mean, my parents had this thing where they always say, it's like the phrase they say, and I now say it to my daughters is, you know, everybody plays or nobody plays. And the idea of that is, you know, we're all here and we're inclusive and, you know, we're loving each other and that's just kind of the way it works. And if you're not going to play by those rules, then we're not going to play. Okay. Yeah, man, that's cool. So then now what brought you to Los Angeles? Um, so I went to a one semester film program out here. Um, it's called the Los Angeles Film Study Center. And, uh, so when I was out here, uh, well, I guess take it back a step is my, my college, I went to Wheaton College out in Chicago and uh, small private liberal arts school. Um, they didn't have a film program, wanted to get into film. So I came out to this one semester program and, um, you know, did the film program thing. I interned at a talent agency called International Creative Management, ICM Partners now. And, uh, you know, it was kind of the, back then I think it was part of big three, which is the top three talent agencies in Hollywood. So. Um, did that and they actually offered me a job coming out of college in 2009 you take anything and, yeah uh, you know something where um, that's how I ended up out here and thought I wanted to get into film producing uh, you know thought I wanted to kind of be in that film world and then when I was at ICM uh, kind of sat behind the curtain because we were kind of on the business side of things and realized like oh this is what a producer does my my boss's husband was a big producer um, he had produced you know the alien series and the crypt series and like you know he had an Emmy and was kind of like an established producer and I talked to him pretty much every day and realized I was like, oh, that's what they do. Uh, it's because in my mind, I, I thought, you know, producers had a lot more um, hands-on experience in the creative process and in that, and some do, but generally when you're from working for a larger production company, it's like the director has that or the writer has that. And I was just kind of realizing like, oh, when you work on a larger scale, people have their, their lanes and you stay in your lanes. So um, yeah, kind of wanted to get out of that and then switched over to a marketing company and uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, do you want me to keep going in terms of no yeah no it's kind <laughs> of like it's more of just like that's how i got because yeah no you're the journey of traveling so much as like a kid yeah and then coming f it seems you guys were mainly in like the mid east yep. coast yep. and so yep. like jumping to la seems so daunting to mm -hmm. even someone like me who lives in sacramento right yeah so i feel like for anyone like listening or thinking about that like that journey of of traveling a lot it's probably easy for you to do mm -hmm. but then coming from you said you grew up in Boston, right? Like yeah, that's where I, I grew up outside not, Boston. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Um, doing that to come to LA is seemed just like mind blowing. You know what I mean? Like yeah, kinda. I mean, it's something too where um, my older brother, after high school, he did a one semester um, or like a one year prep school in in England. So he was in England for six months and Sweden for two, and then I did that, and then my little brother did it, then my little sister did it, and it was something where. It, it was, I mean, we called it our sabbatical from academia. It was kind of just a one-year prep school, you know, smaller schools, like 200 people. Yeah. And that in itself kind of gave us that independent vibe of being able to go out and kind of choose your own adventure and go go for it. And so the idea of being out here in L.A. versus, uh, you know, being close to your family, like my wife's family, she has three sisters, and they all live in Chicago, and they all live really close to each other. So, um, you know, there's that time where you miss that. I mean, like, especially when you, when we first had our first daughter and when we had our second, it was kind of like, man, it'd be great to have those people nearby. But, I definitely know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But it's something too, where you then kind of build that same family camaraderie with your friends where it's like, LA is a city of transplants. Mm -hmm. You know I mean? If you're out here and you're from here, you're a unicorn. Right. Yeah. And so it's something where you kind of get that crew of friends where, you know, they have your back, you have theirs. I mean, we have some friends we, we talk about where it's like, you know, instead of a babysitter, it's like we go watch, you know, we'll do a night for you, you do a night for us, we trade, like that kind of thing. Or when Vera, our older one, she's uh, four years old, when she was first born, we had a friend, uh, Kelly, and she organized was called the food train, where literally for two weeks straight, we had people bringing us meals. Nice. And it's something where it's just like, while I think that would happen where your family's there, but like the fact that we are out here and, you know, in this world where I don't have the family right there, like your friends become your family. No, that's true, man. Cause like where my wife and I, like we had our son mm -hmm. and we have nobody close by. Right. Yeah. And so like, I always get the thing of like, it takes a village. Right. Yeah. And everyone says that. And like, I think it's daunting for those parents or those soon to be parents or new parents yep. who don't have that village or don't have the, the family close by, but mm -hmm. like 
relying on friends and um, who become your family is kind of cool. That's yeah. a, that's really dope. The um, the meal we just post made it every night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when my well, son was when my son was born. And, and part of that too is like part of the meal train was also like I've seen it before where people put like you know this is what we like, this is what we don't like. I had some friends, Adam, Janelle, that just had a baby and they put on there like, we don't like Chipotle. Okay. Which, I mean, that's cool. It's like, yeah. you know, it's not helpful if you're bringing food you don't like. For sure. And we had it when I, when we did it, it was something where Kelly made sure to tell people like, hey, if you're coming, talk with them first on whether or not they want you around. Because I mean, having a baby, it's it's pretty intense and you're pretty tired. I mean, like, I the way my wife put it is right after we had bear, she's like, I now understand why sleep deprivation is a torture tactic for sure. Cause you're not sleeping, Yeah, you know? And it's something where it's like, you're not sleeping, you're exhausted, you, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon, it might be your only chance to get a nap in. And if someone's dropping off a meal, they're like, Hey, want to hang out? And it's just kind of like, thank you so much. I can't tell you how much this means to me, but get out. <laughs> I need to sleep, yeah. you know? So it was kind of that thing where it was kind of that, like, she helped coordinate on whether or not we wanted to see people or just have them drop a meal and go. So that's cool, man. Yeah. So then like once, once you're in LA, like, I mean, we talked a little bit about it yeah. and I think it's the fun thing about this podcast is like, I'm getting to know you as yep. well as the people who are listening. Yeah. So, um, if you want to give me a rundown, cause you're doing a lot, man, as a, as a dad. So let me, yeah. let me know what it is. So, uh, right now I'm a managing partner at a creative solutions company called Anaheim studios. Um, what that means is essentially it's any kind of creative asset that a brand would need, um, we do. So, I mean, we are the solution for that creative problem. So whether it's video and within video, there's even all those different areas. We've ever done everything from broadcast commercials down to sizzle reels, down to, you know, event coverage, animation, all of that. Um, in photo, we do, again, event coverage, just photo coverage. Uh, we do graphic design, we do website design, um, you know, kind of anything in that creative space. That's the area that we play. And um, I've been there actually now for about two and a half months. Um, I was their client for six years. Um, and I did probably half a million dollars in work with them. Um, before that, uh, I worked at a company called PMKBNC. It's an entertainment marketing firm. Um, and you know, I worked there with clients like Microsoft, Bentley, um, Samsung, uh, LA Marathon, T-Mobile for business. And, you know, these were all brands that I worked with and then also worked with, with Anaheim Studios. They did a lot of the creative content that I did. Um, and, you know, it was something where I had been there for eight years, really enjoyed it there, um, learned a ton because, you know, you're in the room with some of these brands and you couldn't be there if you weren't in that type of a company. And uh, just, you know, was at a good breaking point. And uh, Aaron uh, Huseman, he's the founder of Anaheim Studios, uh, approached me about coming over there as a managing partner. So, um, you know, it was something where I, it was kind of that thing where it was an opportunity where I was like, you know, I, I can't pass this up. And, you know, I, it, it was time to build my own dream instead of somebody else's, you know. So kind of jumped off the cliff. Uh, I mean, it's a bit scary, but we've been so slammed since I've got there, which I think is a good sign. Yeah, and yeah, that's <laughs> it's, good. It's been a ton of fun. Um, yeah. And then what's the, the – there's two other things, right? Yeah, so I have a couple side hustles. Um, I think everyone in L.A. has at least one side hustle. It's just kind of the way it works here. Um, one of them is uh, called 214 Graffiti. Um, I have a, one of my former roommates, um, Taylor. Uh, he and I started it. It's essentially custom stencil graffiti. And um, we've done – I think we've done about – we sold about 200 paintings. Oh, um, wow, man. Yeah, I mean, it's something where we've done everything from – you know, personal collections to, we, we got flown out to Hershey, Pennsylvania to do a mural for new kids on the block. We did uh, a number of movies. We did behind the scenes ones for, uh, for Fox, for the, the X-Men movie. Uh, we did Warner brother records. They had us do a big mural that they were shooting in front of. <clears throat> and, uh, so that's kind of the graffiti realm. Um, and that one started where I was literally at my apartment with Taylor and he and I just kind of both had backgrounds in art and just kind of fun stuff that we just kind of kicked around and his then wife now or no then girlfriend now wife was flying into town and he's like oh, I don't have a birthday present for it and I was mm. like I got a can of spray paint and a canvas like let's make something so we you know put something together and and made one and uh made a painting and uh we stepped back and we're like dude we, we could sell this it's kind of cool and, that's dope dude. Uh, and I was working at ICM then and there's an agent that had just moved into an office and he was kind of like hey I need new art for my for my office and he was complaining about everybody had cool art and he needed something different and I walked in with my phone and I was like check this out and I was like hey man if you 
you know, sell this, help me upsell it. I'll sell it to you for cost of production if you help me push it. And so, you know, him being an agent, he bought four paintings from us for like 60 bucks and then turned around and told people he, he bought them for 150 each. And this is like back when I was making, you know, at ICM, they pay, they really don't pay a lot. Uh, and it was something where you're kind of there for the connections. And, you know, so for me to make 150 bucks for a painting, I was like, oh my gosh, this is nuts. And yeah. So, you know, it's been fun because, you know, we started small and then just kind of did more and more and more. And now it's like, you know, those small personal paintings, while they're fun, they're, you know, we're kind of like, eh, it's not worth our time because we have this brand over here that wants a big mural. So started doing that. That's um, crazy, man. Yeah. That's so dope. Like, so I think whenever you start a creative vision like that, it's like, oh, how cool would it be to one day like yeah. see my work on TV? You know, right, that's right. so dope. Oh, it's, it's fun. And then the, the other thing that I did with Taylor is um, we have these cassette tape coffee tables. Um, it's T-A-Y-B-L-E-S, which is my little plug here. But um, <clears throat> essentially, it's these giant tables that look like a cassette tape. And, uh, you know, it's something, same thing where Taylor and I kind of being in that pop art world, he... Uh, needed a coffee table and made one out of plywood and texted me a picture of it. He's like, dude, check this out. And I was like, dude, we could sell that too. There's and the awesome mix one, so, man is yeah. like, I saw that and I was <laughs> like, dude, I gotta have that. It's so dope. No, nah, it's been good. I mean, like we, we've sold over 600 tables across 10 countries, four continents. I mean, we did a Kickstarter for them uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, actually with Anaheim studios, they approached us about doing them because we were our high end model. We were selling for $2,000 and we needed a lower end model. So we did a Kickstarter. Our goal was to raise 35,000 and we raised a hundred and twenty two thousand in three weeks sold 400 tables and it was like a, a whole thing so that's great that's amazing yeah man. it's been fun so and then i guess now transitioning where in this journey because just hearing everything it seems very overwhelming to me and I'm, <laughs> i enjoy doing so much stuff like yeah. i feel like i'm always burning the candle you know what i mean yeah you Put, burn it at both ends yeah and then in the middle just because you know, <laughs> why not there, there's some bandwidth there right yeah um when did you become a father and like, how, where does that fit into this journey, man? Yeah, so um, 2015 uh, is when I became a father. Uh, and uh, that was a big year for us. Um, so in 2015, uh, our first daughter, Vera, was born. And what was the original question? I'm sorry. Just how did the journey of becoming a dad? Like, yeah. when when it happened, how it affected you, I guess, in, like, your work and all that kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so 2015, was a, it was a pretty intense year for us. Um Looking back on it, it was a very formative year. Um, we had a lot of things go on. Um, so in that year, our um, my wife's dad passed away suddenly from heart, sudden heart failure. And that happened when we were pregnant. Oh, wow. Um, and it was something where from a business perspective, things were going really well. I, I got on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. So that was like a exciting thing. And then, uh, Vera, our older daughter was born. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, it was something where obviously of the three of those, you know, the business one was kind of the smallest, but, um, yeah, it, it, it was something where people always talk about it where it's like, you don't know what it's like until you're there or you know people say like well, when, when are you ready for having kids and it's like you're never ready yeah. you know it's <clears throat> it hits you like a truck but um i mean it it, it was something where you kind of take a step back and look at all the things that you have going on and it puts a lot of things in perspective uh in terms of what's important where you're putting your time where you're putting your values and realizing that you know like it's so surreal, you know, it's like, this is a person and you now have to invest in them and help them grow up. And like, I, I always joke that it's like, yeah, I'm going to put both my kids in therapy. I just don't know what for yet. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, it's like from, from my standpoint, man, of when I became a dad, like I just felt like I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Like I didn't know. I mean, I had some funny conversations just about that recently, but like, yeah. Once you became, when you found out you became a dad, like, did you reflect any, on like your childhood or things that you really wanted to emulate from yeah. like your parents? I mean, one thing that I can say for sure is it gave me a lot more grace for my parents because I realized like how much I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's something where, I mean, I still feel like I'm still trying to figure it out and realizing, I mean, my parents, I think were five years younger when they had my older brother okay. than I was when I had my first daughter. And, you know, just realizing like, there's so much to learn and like you're kind of learning along the way flying by the seat of your pants but um i mean it's something where my parents were very intentional about being present about 
making sure that we knew that we were valued, that we were loved, that we were like, you know, we belonged as part of our family. And it's something where it's like both of our daughters, like, you know, at our nighttime prayer every night, it's like we end it with saying like, we, we pray that she'll feel loved and a part of our, and like feel a sense of belonging in our family. And like those two things are huge because, you know, we want our daughters to know that regardless of what happens, what they do, you know, there's so many things that can happen in life. And it's like, I want them to know that they, they always will belong as a part of our family and that they're, you know, so loved, you know, it's kind of this, like, it doesn't matter what happens. Like I, you know, I'm always going to love you. Yeah. You know? And that, that's, that's something I feel too, is like giving that love. And yeah, for me, I think it's really important to make sure that my son always knows that. Yeah. Like I, your dad loves you and you're the most important thing in my life. Did it change you? in a business sense? Like, were you impacted by becoming a dad? Do you feel like you got better? The resume is very impressive. And like, once you have like a, mm. a child, like what does that do to you? Like with everything <laughs> that you're doing? It, it makes the resume not as important. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, honestly, yeah. it's, it's something where, it, you know, I don't want to say it's like that work to live or live to work kind of thing. And, you know, for me, there's things is like you could always stay in the office and just keep working away late into the night. Or it's like, I could go home and be with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's times when it's like, you don't have a choice. It's like, you know, not everyone has the luxury of being like, well, I'm just going to go home now. Cause it's like, sometimes you just have to get stuff done. Yeah. But that being said, you know, it, it makes you realize that, you know, there's things that are bigger than your work. There's things that are bigger than, you know, what you're doing and it's like that doesn't define who you are as a person it's like it's kind of like the values you bring what you're doing in terms of investing into your children and your future and your family um you know these are all parts of it and it all kind of comes together to make the collective this is you know who you are and what you're about yeah it's uh it seems like i think when people find out that they're finally becoming a parent. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it naturally, it changed me. Yeah. And I feel like with everything that you're doing, mm-hmm. has um, has parenting given you a better sense sense of accomplishment or of like, I, I can do, I can do so much more now because I can tackle being a dad, you know, and like handling my, my business and my side hustles and being a parent, you know? Yeah, I mean... My wife and I joke about how it's, I work three full-time jobs mm-hmm. where it's, I have my main job and then I have my side hustles and then I have my, like being a dad. Yeah. It's like each of those is his own full-time job and it's figuring out how to balance those is, it's, I mean, it's tough sometimes cause you know, it's, you only have so much time in the day and kind of like what you said, it's like you're burning the candle at both ends. And my biggest thing is making sure that you're present when you are home. I mean, it's something where. Um, I had towards the end of when I was at PMK, uh, just because of the amount of work and everything that was going on, it was, you know, it was a pretty stressful time where, you know, I was pretty burnt out. And um, it's interesting because after that, when I moved over to Anaheim Studios, it's something that we noticed that our older daughter, she had changed a little bit and it was just seeming a lot less stressed out, you know, like as stressed out as a four-year-old can be. But it was something where... My wife was saying it's just like, for me, being less stressed out and being more present was affecting her because she was very empathetic. And so for me being happier and my new role and what I was doing and, you know, it's just like I wasn't bringing home the stress with me. Yeah. And it's something where it's like sometimes when you have a lot going on, it's hard to be fully present there. And, like, we try to make a point to, you know, like – everyone always has their phone, everyone always has it out. And it's like, you know, it's that thing of like, when I'm sitting there reading a book, I shouldn't be checking my Facebook or my Instagram. I don't really go on Facebook, so Instagram. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of that thing of, you know, when your phone's dinging, it's like, where are you? And when when you're there, be all there, Mm -hmm. which is not easy. No, it's hard. I I, like, I screw up at it all the time. Yeah. You know, like, having said that, my wife's probably gonna listen to this and be like, yeah, you're still not good at it. But I'm working at it. It's hard to be parents without that support system, right? Yeah. Like I can 
completely agree with that. Thankful you guys had the the friends and family or the friends who are yeah. your community and your your family. But like how how has that been on your guys' relationship? And like how have you been able to not only have one kid but two and yeah. keep keep growing as a family? Yeah, so I mean it's something where um I think we really try to be intentional about checking in on how we're doing. And I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day where something that I guess even going back to my parents that I took away is that like for your parents, your spouse is like, they're the number one person. And I was at a dinner the other night and I was talking and we were doing, uh, uh, New York times, I think had this like 29 questions or how many questions to fall in love or whatever. And it was just kind of this like, group building exercise where they went around and asked questions and it was kind of like the, what's the most important thing to you in your life? And it gets to me and everyone's expecting me like, and I pull out my phone, I show a picture of my daughters and I'm just like, these are my kids. And I was just like, but to me, the most important thing to me is my wife. And someone was just like, what do you mean? Like, why, why wasn't it your kids? And I was like, well, I mean, if you think about it, it's like if someone came in and put a gun to my head and said like, one of these is going to live, I'd obviously choose the future generation. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, it's like the reason why I got to where I am, like the support system behind me, the one at the end of the day that's like, you know, like we're in this fight together is my wife. And so we put each other first. And it's something where we never want our kids to put a wedge between us and have it be something where it's like, you know, like our four-year-old right now is just starting to figure out like, ask mom, then ask dad. Okay. And our answer is always a like, well, what mom's dad say? What my dad say? And it's like, we like, this is what my parents used to say is, and again, it's what I was saying is going back to this is like, we're on the same team. Right. We have the same answer. And it's something where like, I, I learned that from my parents of, you know, like they're in this together and they are a unit. And when you grow up seeing that healthy communication style, even just, excuse me, even how they deal with conflict. I mean, like it's something where not to say my parents didn't fight, but I knew that they did it in a healthy way. And that's something that I've even tried to bring into my marriage. And so, um, and that being said, it's like, you know, it's hard. There's times you're exhausted and I'm going to be honest. It's something where I didn't, and I never will fully understand what she went through, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, even with like the first pregnancy, it was something where it's like she was feeling something of like she was going through something because her body was physically changing. It didn't really, I don't think, fully click into me that it's like, oh my gosh, I'm a dad until Vera was born. Okay. You know, and it's something like in between Vera and Kira, so we actually had two miscarriages and we're pretty open talking about it because yeah. it's something like statistically, it's one in four pregnancies ends in a miscarriage. And it's super unfortunate, but it's kind of that taboo thing that no one talks about. And I'm. That's something too, man. It's like, it took my wife and I three years to have our son. Yeah. Right. And granted, it was just unexplained infertility. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. we didn't have a reason why we didn't have a reason. Yep. So we didn't understand yeah. because nobody talked about it. Mm-hmm. How was that on you guys? Because I mean, transitioning into thinking about just the struggles of becoming a parent, you yeah. know, like that's got to be something that's, that's hard to deal with as an individual, but also as a couple too. Yeah. I mean, and again, it kind of goes back to, it was something that she was dealing with obviously more in a physical way than I was. Um, and you know, cause it, again, the first one was after 10 weeks and the second one was, I think after six or seven weeks. So, um, and especially the 10 weeks one, cause usually you start telling people around 13 weeks. So, mm-hmm. I mean like we were pretty close. Um, but it's something where, again, it's like, it didn't, affect me as much because my body isn't physically changing and you know even hers like visually not too too much changes in the first trimester um but you know it was something where for her it was a very hard emotional process and for me it's kind of like yeah that sucks mm-hmm. but I, I, I like in no way can I ever begin to understand what you're going through and it's like the way she put it you know, it's like with this or it's like if you have a, a parent pass away or something like that, where it's just kind of that like the way that my wife puts it is she says it's, you know, it's it's like a club that no one understands unless you're in it and no one wants to be in that club. Right. You know, but it's kind of like for us being open and talking about it. It's not like I walk around being like, hey, we had two miscarriages, but it's like if it comes up, we talk about it because we want people to know like, yeah, this stuff happens and it sucks. And if you need someone to talk to you, like we're around. 
I just think it's, man, for for my wife and I, we've had friends who've had a miscarriage. Yep. And it's like, I don't know what to say. You no. know, like, I don't yeah. know your pain. I don't know no. what you're going through. And it's it's interesting to hear that even from the perspective, like, you don't know how your wife feels, no. you know? And, like, and you're with her and you're her best friend. Like, yeah. what would you say to, like, those? I mean, because what I, we hope this pod becomes yeah. is breaking down the walls of fatherhood and opening up and talking about subjects. Yeah. And I think this is something that, like, what would be your advice or what would be your suggestions or just... Yeah. From the perspective of someone who's gone through it or maybe shedding some light to those who are have a friend who's going through it. Yeah. You know, like, so the biggest thing I would say is sometimes less is more. Um, just saying I'm sorry for your loss and leaving it at that. A lot of times people try to make your loss about them because they want to empathize. They want to feel that with you. Um, I would say this is even more amplified when my wife's dad passed away. We had someone that came up to us once and was just kind of like, yeah, I'm so sorry about, you know, and yeah, like I, my dog passed away one time. And I was just like, I, I can't even tell you how this is so different from that. And it's something with like miscarriages with and you know, infertility, all that kind of stuff. It's like, you do not know what they're going through. And, you know, it, it's something you you can't fully empathize with. And sometimes it's better to just be like, I'm really sorry. That sucks. If you yeah. want to talk to someone, let me know. If I can get you a meal, like maybe you're you don't want to make dinner and let's we'll postmates you something. I mean, like, you don't have to have something to say that like your comment won't necessarily make them feel better, but them knowing that you care and you're there for them, if they have that, if they want that, is I think more important. Yeah, and I think it's I mean, I felt very not I don't even want to say uncomfortable but just confused on like what to say and like those even when someone says like someone passes yeah I haven't had anyone in my life who's passed yeah so I, I feel either. yeah I don't know what to say I like, had two <laughs> great grandparents until like five six years ago yeah I mean like that's crazy mm -hmm. and like my I have so I have all four of my grandparents so my daughters have four great grandparents and on my wife's side, like she doesn't have any grandparents. So it's kind of that like people have, you know, so it's again, I can't empathize with it. Right. And, but from having gone through that, like my wife is very intentional about like when someone passes away or someone has something tough like that, she just sends a note. And most of the time, all it says is like, I'm sorry for your loss. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. If there's anything I can do, let me know. And that's it. And it's like to write that, that, one sentence in a condolence card, you know, like it takes three seconds yeah. and, but it can mean the world to someone. Um, and it's something too, where again, it's like in the age of social media, like to me, it annoys me at no end when I see like a, Oh, sorry, RIP on like Facebook or on Instagram or something like that. I'm just like, come on, like put a little more thought into it. Cause again, that's like, Hashtag blessed, like hashtag sorry, like no, doesn't work. I'm gonna take that home with me and keep that in my thoughts for like a while because it's something that I think really is so common. Like you said, it was one in four, right? And so I'm sure that's going to happen again in yeah. my life with somebody who I know yep. or may could happen to us, you mm -hmm. know, in the future. Mm -hmm. How did that change? Did it change you in like a sense of thinking about having another or? Did it change anything about you when it happened? Yeah, I mean, so it's kind of complete tangent, but um, after the second miscarriage, um, we had where we were living before. We've since moved. We bought a house in Culver City, and but before that, like we were in West Hollywood and um, in an apartment, and um, right behind us there was a hotel that was being built. And when they broke the ground, all of a sudden all of the animals that were around there excuse me, started going into different places. So in our garage, we were storing the infant car seat and there were some rats that went in there and ate through the infant car seat and then started eating through one of the strollers. And we had our second miscarriage and my wife goes out and I, we find it and we're just like, Oh shoot, this stinks. I mean like normally you'd be like, that really stinks. It's, you know, 
car seats aren't cheap, strollers aren't cheap. But then for her, it was this whole mental thing of like, do we even need to buy another car seat? Like, you know, this, this yeah. you know, you gotta go through this whole emotional process of like, well, maybe we don't even need to buy another one. Well, let's just, you know, it was kind of like, all right, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But at the same time, it's like when you're going through that and then something happens, that's like, that makes it that much more real. Like we may not need this. Like that's tough. For sure. And so it, it makes you think about it in that sense. And it's something where, you know, you're more cautious in even being excited, you know, when people are talking about it. And like, I think the biggest thing is it makes you a lot more aware because you have no idea what people are going through. Mm -hmm. And it's something where, you know, like what you were saying, it took you three years. And even that it's like, there's no guarantees. And so it's something where it, it, it affects how you think of it of like, there may be a reason why something's happened or someone might be going through something and you making a flippant comment about whatever might not be helpful. Did it impact you as a father at all? Like when, with your daughter, you're like, it may be very grateful yeah. for her. I mean, in that sense of like, yeah, of knowing that there was no, no guarantees. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's something where you do think about it. You're like, you know, I grew up in a family with four kids. My wife grew up with a family with four kids. Like we might have one kid. Yeah. But the thing is, it's like, that's fine. And if that was it, then we would have been great. I mean, like it, it makes you understand how much of a blessing that is. And yeah, I mean, it's something where it's, we were fortunate to be able to have a second kid and you know, it, it makes you value it even that, that much more. For sure. When we had our son, it's like we got to that 13 weeks and we're like, we did it, you know? Mm -hmm. Did you ever have that sense of we were out of the, yeah. the weeds a little? Or did, like, is, was there like a date that you felt more comfortable? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th I think it was something where, I mean, for the first miscarriage to happen at 10 weeks, like it made you really go, oh my goodness. Um, like even I think when we, were, when we were pregnant with Kirsa, I don't know if we told people like, at the 13 week mark. Like that wasn't like a, Hey, we made it. Um, it, it was something where actually for the second pregnancy with Kirsa, um, the doctor actually had my wife going in every two weeks. Cause it was a high risk pregnancy because of the history. Yeah. And so it was something where like all the way up, I even say through the second trimester, we were watching it and you know, it's something where, you know, the doctor saying, Oh yeah, it's all healthy and we're good. But we're just kind of like, but are we like, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah. <laughs> so what was that then, I guess, to transition and keep with the story going with yeah. the, as you go through that process, what was that feeling when your second daughter was born? Like how, mm -hmm. how much of a, just a pure, I assume joy and excitement yeah. and just yeah. like relief. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. Cause you're like, Oh, I've been through this before, but then it's like it, every birth is completely different. I mean, like for Vera, I think we were in the hospital room for like eight hours or something. Kirsa, she was induced. So Vera was nine days early and Kirsa was uh, a day late and we induced. So it's like every pregnancy is completely, is completely different. And for Kirsa, we went in and we induced it. And I think it was within 25 minutes she was born. So it was like, Completely, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the doctor, our our OB, did not make it in time for the delivery. Okay. So, um, a midwife delivered it. I mean, it's kind of funny. Like she showed up and was just kind of like, "Well, job's done." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. But I mean, it's it's one of those things where, like, and even that, like, was kind of an emotional thing where, like, it hits you that much faster. Um, but it, it, it's something where, I like, it was, like, my favorite part I think of the whole experience was when I was able to introduce our older daughter to our younger daughter like I have a picture of her um in the hospital where they have kind of like those clear I don't know what you would call them they look like, like tray Rubbermaid bins yeah, 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 yeah like Rubbermaid bins that they like push Tupperware yeah <laughs> and she's in there and uh Vera who was three was like reaching over and like touching her with her finger of like this is my sister and like that was the coolest, you know, being able to watch that and have her realize like I'm a big sister and like it, it's, it was pretty fun to kind of like talk to you like, this is your sister. This is like, but then for Vera to 
like she wanted to play with her right away. It's like it's my sister. So like we have pictures of of Kirsa in the car seat with like ten toys on top of her because Vera wanted her to play with them, but she's too little. And like they're just now getting to the age where Kirsa's uh, fifteen months, sixteen months, and and Vera is four, and they're now like just now getting to the age where it's like they chase each other around the house or you know like they'll play together or like I came in the other day and they were reading books together and like like that is so cool to me. So it's only just beginning. Man, it's the just fun. beginning. Yeah. I mean, it took over a year and it's like, it's one of those things where we're just like, shoot, is Vera going to get bored with her sister and be like, you know, write her off. But it's like, now we're seeing they're playing together and like, you know, like they, they do things where Vera will make a little face or whatever. And Kirsa cracks up and then Vera thinks it's funny. And they just kind of go back and forth and back and forth. And like seeing that like brings me so much joy. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Like, I think it's, there's something to be said about like, how much joy you guys have to feel and like kind of you said that like puts everything in perspective and yeah um it's definitely something that like i i'm enjoying this conversation simply because like it's meeting someone new but then yeah hearing each story that we've done so far has been completely different than oh, the yeah. previous and that's the thing it's like they all completely yeah. different and i think like for everything like when you when you look back at the last four years, mm -hmm. like what's been like the your guiding force, or what's been like your your thing that you take away most from just like your journey? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the idea of having a support system that's there for you, and for me, I mean, it's obviously my wife, um, and being there for each other and valuing, you know, what they're doing. I mean, it's something like, I don't think I say enough to her, like, thank you for doing this. I mean, like, it's invaluable. Like, she stays home with our, with our daughters. We were able to swing it. And, you know, I know not everyone can do that, but it's something we were able to figure out. And I, I think being able to have her be home with our daughters, you know, every day and just the time that goes into that is huge. And it's something where, you know, like I talk about how she has like the hardest job in the world. You know, it's a 24 seven job. I mean, when I'm at work, if I get bored, I can go on YouTube and just dink around for half hour. <laughs> for sure. Cause I'm bored, Yeah. you know? And it's something where it's like, you can't do that when you have a little kid running around or sick or whatever. And it's like even sick days, like when she's homesick, like still two kids there. Yep. And, uh, I don't know. It's just something where it's like, I'm just so grateful for, you know, what she's done. Um, yeah. I don't nice, know if that no, question. yeah, it's perfect. And then, so we touched a little bit about advice and yeah. things like, and I always think like unsolicited advice, you know, like nobody wants to hear it. You right, know, I think right. that we get a lot of that. Once you, someone, you tell someone, Oh, we're pregnant. Like, Oh, here's blah, 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 yeah. blah. And you're like half the stuff you're like, I don't really want to hear, you yeah, know? Yeah. But like it from, I think one of the cool things about this is like hearing your story, hearing your things. Like if you were to give somebody mm -hmm. either a lesson you learned or a piece of advice, like what's the thing that you could just tell them like you have to do this or you need to do this? Mm. I have to think about that. I mean, I think it's something where the idea of being present is probably one of the most important things to me. Um, I had a friend, this guy named Mitch, who is uh, in New York, and I met him actually on a shoot uh, we had done for Microsoft. And he had said, hey, you know, we're having a baby. And I, I was telling him, and I was just like, right after the birth, like, just take a beat to, like, soak it in and, like, be there, be present, because, you know, this is never going to happen again. And I found myself with like the first time when Vera was born, I was trying to take pictures and trying to be there and like capture it all. And like, you know, you want the best shot for your Instagram or whatever. And it's just like the moments of, you know, when you're just there and present and not taking a picture or not texting or not whatever, like those are invaluable. And I think with your kids, like they can see when you're checked out. Yeah. And it's something where it's like our kids, you know, Kirsa is one and she knows the value of our phones to us. Like she walks around and like in the morning she'll grab our phone and walk over with it and be like, help, help, help. And she wants help taking the cord out so she can walk around with the phone. And like 
she doesn't know what it does. Like we actually have very limited screen time. It's something like our four year old. We let her watch a movie like once every other week. Okay. And it's like, we just don't do screen time. Yeah. And Kirsa never, like we just do not let her do that. But it's something they see us on the phone all the time. And like our older daughter, Vera, when she was probably two or three, I think she was like a little over two, she used to pretend that she was texting Ofer, who was our general contractor, because <laughs> we were working on remodeling a house. And she'd like pick up our phone and be like, I'm texting Ofer. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, that's cute. But then it's just like, they mimic and model what you do. And then you realize you're like, oh man, like they're seeing me texting people or doing things or like not paying attention to them. And like, it's interesting because when you go to like the park and again, like I'm not trying to mom shame or whatever, but yeah. you know, you see at the park, people go there, they have their kids go play and then they just pull out their phone and they're on there. And it's like, I try to make a point to run around and play with her for sure. So that I'm not that dad that's just checked out on my phone while I'm pushing her on the swing with one hand and checking Instagram with the other. Yeah. Because those moments, like they realize when you're not checked in, you know, for sure. And I think like I've caught myself a couple times being, and I think I'm better at it now, Yeah. but like my son would be, grabbing at me yeah. to like pay attention to him and I was like stuck in my phone mm-hmm. maybe pretending to do some work thing or whatever like, right. but it was like dude like check yourself like right. you need to be there like and I think it's it's definitely it's so hard to do because like we're so engulfed in these little devices but yeah. like um, you're never gonna get that moment back yeah and it's insane because it's something where like our generation is like the first one that's really dealing with that like I didn't grow up with my dad having a phone like that, you know, cause when I was my daughter's age, like they didn't exist. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there were other distractions back then. Like the but, newspaper. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, you know, it's very different. And I think we're still trying to figure out how do you navigate life in a way that it's like, obviously this is an integral part of our life. It does all these things. It's really important. And, and it's something too, where it's like, you're trying to capture your life, you know, you're trying to take pictures, but it's like, Sometimes it's more important to be there and be present than it is to capture that epic photo of them doing that. I go through that a lot too. I, I fully agree with you, man. Like it's, I catch myself so many times. Like my son will do something so funny or cute, yeah. and I'm like, I got to get this on yeah. video, but not because like I want to watch it. You're never no. going to watch it again, right? Like, well, and it's something where it's like you want to get it, and then they don't do it the same, and then you try to set them back up, and you're uh-huh. like, okay, okay, do this, okay, okay, say <laughs> that, and it's like, and then you realize after that they didn't get it, and you're like frustrated with them, and it's just like you missed the whole point of uh-huh. it, you know? We got my son a record player and yeah. that's the awesome mix. Like we, he got oh, yeah. a, like the, that's why I like that table yeah, so much because yeah. he loves the Gardens of the Galaxy soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Ever since he was a baby, he would dance to it. Yeah. Um, and so we got him a record player and he was dancing. Yeah. And like, he has, he danced, my wife, I should probably hate me for this, but she, he dances <laughs> like my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, Lots of really good rhythm. Yeah, Very exactly. excellent, excellent dancer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so we were like, trying to capture it, and he was like done dancing. Yeah. And I was like, no, we got to do it again. And I was like, yeah. we did, like you missed that moment because right. you're so into like capturing right. it. Right, right. And like my buddy, he said something that was very um, – we used to go to like a bunch of soccer games, mm-hmm. and you'd see everybody – we were at the USA game one time, and everyone was pulling out their phones. Yeah. And I grabbed my phone, and he grabbed me, and he said, put your phone away. Yeah. He's like – just enjoy it. Yeah. You'll remember it so much better if you just watch it. Oh, yeah. Rather than try to capture it. Well, and the know? thing is when you're watching, like trying to capture it, you're watching it on a screen. You're not actually watching it. Mm-hmm. And that's a complete, because you're trying to get that angle, trying to get that whatever. And it's like, it's not the same. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I think it's, I mean, being present, I think that's the best. That's such good advice for new dad, old dad, or yeah. just someone who's listening to this. Yeah. And I think the the takeaways I'm getting from this, man, is like there's... There's a lot of knowledge I think people can get from especially this conversation just because Thanks. being someone who is meeting you for the first time, talking to you for the first time, mm-hmm. there's a natural flow. And I think this is something that we're getting a lot with fatherhood. Yeah. Because like breaking down the walls of, of this and removing the taboo element from a lot of these conversations yeah. is only going to do good for for people, you know? Yeah. Cause yeah. You guys have gone through something, um, really great stuff, as well as some hardships, you know? Mm-hmm. And so has everybody. And, you know, that understanding and that empathy that we can have for one another in this parenting journey, I think, is really special. It's it's kind of that, like, great equalizer of, you know, 
it's something where it doesn't matter what your background is. It's like you can have something that you can relate on. Mm-hmm. And the kind of going off what your wife said, like the the club that nobody wants to be a part of. Yeah. I think if we look at, if we can use that as parenting and fatherhood yeah. is the club is that everyone should be a part of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like thinking of like that, that what we're doing in this whole thing has just been um, really cool for me. I'm sure it's yeah. been for you too. Thanks, man. To end it off, man, what I like to do is like, Looking back, and I think when I became a dad, I instantly thought of my relationship with my dad, mm-hmm. and I thought about the things that I took away that he did great, right? Yeah. Um, what's the one thing you want your girls to look back on with you and be like, my dad was this, or yeah, he was the best, whatever, you know, like what, what's that thing for yeah. you? Yeah, I mean... I, this may sound cheesy, but it's true. I mean, like, I just want them to know how much... I love them. Um, It's something where it's like I make a point pretty much every time I leave the house or every time I hang up the phone to say I love you. And it's something where, like, this may sound morbid, but it's like I would want that if something were to happen to me to be, like, the last thing that they – that I said to them, you know? Um, And it's something where – yeah, I mean, it's just like I want them to know that, like, no matter what happens to them or what they do, that it's like – they're always part of our family and always like they belong and you know just like I'll always be there you know um yeah sorry I'm getting emotional (laughs) no it's good man that's real yeah I mean it's it's yeah I mean it's something where I I had that growing up I mean like I knew that my parents loved me no matter what um and being able to have that for my daughters like I don't know. Like it, it's something like that pure joy that they bring me. Um, like it was, I think it was last night I came home from work and I walked in the door and my Kirsa was in the high chair and she's just like, Dada, Dada, and like, you know, that whole thing. And Kirsa gets all, and Vera got all excited and runs to the other room and goes and hides. And like, just that joy of like them knowing that it's like, they're excited to see me cause I'm excited to see them. Yeah. And you know, obviously it's not going to always be like that where I come in when they're, 15 17 like, they're not gonna be like dad <laughs> yeah, yeah but you know i just want them to know that like when i see them like they bring so much joy um and then it's also something where it kind of goes back to the whole thing with you know with my wife of like we're on the same team is like i want them to know how much i love their mother and how much that relationship means to me and like i try the best i can to model what you know a good relationship, a good marriage, you know, a faith-based marriage or like whatever is to us for them. And then, I mean, I know I'm going to screw up. I I just like, it's going to happen. I know I'm going to say something like I was saying, I'm going to say something that's going to put them in therapy and I won't even realize it. Yeah. But you know, it's something where it's just like that to me is just a, a value of being like, you know, doesn't matter what happens. Like I'll always love you and I'll always love your mom. Dope, dude. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Cool. Thank you guys for listening, man. That was such a great episode. Justin and I really got to have a really great conversation about, you know, um, his business, his life, and kind of his fatherhood and parenting journey. And it gave me a really good perspective, and it gave me kind of some insight on, like, the best ways to communicate to those, you know, who may have some difficulties during this. You know, we're all kind of doing this fatherhood and parenting thing together, so um, being able to communicate and make sure everyone's okay. I think it's really important. So hope you guys got a lot from that episode. Thanks for listening.